Hi friends, this is Compassion Podcast. On the 21st of May, we will have a short online program called Night of Compassion. And we want to invite you to that program. The program will begin at 8 p.m. Beijing time. You can keep the date and you can invite your friends. Remember that God is your father. See you at the Night of Compassion. This podcast is brought to you by Friends of Compassion Podcast. Let's look at this. I think it's a beautiful one. It's going to help all of us. I want us to look at growth. Growth. Spiritual growth. But first of all, when we talk about growth, what is growth in general? What is growth? I mean, when somebody is growing, like growth, what is growth? What does it mean to grow? Number one, please, you can write this down. Um, this is one of the ways to get the best out of this meeting so you can write um, as much as the Lord puts on your heart to write to grow, what does it mean to grow? to grow means to undergo natural development by increasing in size one more time to grow means to undergo natural development by increasing in size and changing physically Another one, to grow means to progress to maturity. To grow means to progress to maturity. Another one is this, to become larger or greater over a period of time. That is to increase, to become larger or greater over a period of time. That means to increase. Growth is a normal expression of life, whether we think of plants, animals, or people. It is what God has done. It's normal expression of life. Whether we think of people, animals, we expect them to grow until they reach maturity. All growth, whether both physical and spiritual, is incremental. In other words, we can't watch either plants or people grow before our eyes. We can only observe it over time. This is also true in the life of a child of God. Different people grow at different rates. And none of us grow at the same pace. But it is God who has put the system in place for living things to grow. Mind you, it is God who has put the system. It is God who has designed it like that. The same with spiritual growth. Let's think about physical growth for, for a moment, okay? Physical growth. Children grow without thinking about it. 
Um, when the Lord blessed us, my wife and I, with a beautiful daughter, beautiful girl, we brought her from the hospital very little. And all she could do was to look around with her eyes open, you know, so adorable. But I'm not sure if she was able to see anything or recognize just looking around or picturing something, maybe. But when her eyes opened, her senses were not, you know, fully developed. Her bones were not hard yet, not grown yet. I know she has to grow. Why? Because growth is a normal expression of life. But she doesn't know anything about growth. And we didn't do anything special. All we did, my wife and I, was to keep feeding her with breast milk and baby milk or baby food. After a month or two or three, we started to see her grow. Don't forget, all growth, both physical and spiritual, is incremental. So we can't watch people grow before our eyes, but we can only observe it over time. After a month or two or three months, we started to see her grow beautifully. Now she's 13, one, three months old, 13 months old. She's one year plus old now. Just three days ago, my wife sent me a video of my daughter walking. And I was so happy to see her take steps, you know. What she was fed with and how she was fed helped her in the growth process. And please don't forget this. Time played a major role. Time. In fact, our basic physical growth, height and body structure is beyond our control. Growth, as we are saying, growth is a normal expression of life. It's God's design. Not man's design. It's God's design. The same with spiritual growth. It's God's work. Not man's work. I repeat. Our basic physical growth. Height and body structure is beyond our control. We have access to things we can take in. We can feed on to make us grow. But what goes behind the scenes is beyond our control. But we know that when something or someone is not growing, we know something is wrong. Of course. The reason might be whether that thing is malnourished or is not in a suitable habitat. That could hinder growth if that person or that thing is not properly fed or is not in his right habitat. Nonetheless, it's God's design for everything, for every living thing to grow without suffering to grow, without toiling to grow, without worrying to grow. I have heard it said that for you to grow spiritually, it takes a lot of work. Remember, I, I, I told the story of uh, a gentleman that I met on campus that he was, he met me and said, are you a preacher? I said, uh, are you a pastor? I said, no, I'm, I just preach. And then uh, he talked about, well, being a pastor or something is very difficult. Remember, I told you something like that? Yes. Why? To him, 
Uh, you have to pray every time. You have to pray long prayer. So you could see sometimes our idea about some of these things, sometimes is wrong. But I've heard it said that for you to grow spiritually, it takes a lot of work. Yes. Uh, when I gave my life to Jesus Christ and when I was hearing how those by God's good that had matured in the things of God and the way they were telling, saying about all these things, many felt like, uh, well, this journey is really going to be a tough one. But then I thank God I didn't give up. I stick to this course, this, this path, and I realized that actually what some of them said were not true. Yeah, they said if you want to grow spiritually, it takes a lot of work. They said you must work harder. You know, uh, you must work hard. You must work harder so that you can grow spiritually. It's like, you know, gritting your teeth, you know, that, that kind of, you know. And the reason they, mostly they give is this. They said because the reason is this. For you to be successful at anything, you must work hard for it. You must sweat for it. And sometimes they are this, that there is no such thing as free lunch. You must work your way for it. You must sweat for it. I think this is our idea of spiritual growth. I'm not sure how we came to this conclusion. But Jesus, our Lord, says otherwise. Maybe these people came to this conclusion because of their own, of their own experiences. Maybe. But the Lord says otherwise. Please, let's look at what the Lord said. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. And I want us to open our Bible and look at this from our Bible and so that you can know that somebody is not making this up. Taking my time to show you all this thing from the Bible, it is for our own benefit. Okay? So please open your Bibles with me. Uh, Matthew chapter 6. Let's look at verse 25. And let's read from NKJV. Bless me and get some translations because I will use um, some translations interchangeably. Yes, please. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Let's look at what the Lord said. He himself about growing. Okay? And, and let's talk about growth. In, but we are talking about spiritual growth. Let's, let's hear what the Lord said. Verse 25, Matthew chapter 6. Therefore, I say to you, this is the Lord talking. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? It, this is beautiful because Food is important. Food is very important. But the Lord is saying, your life is more important than food. And yet, some treasure money more than life. Some treasure food more than life. The Lord said again, your body is more important than clothing. And some trade their bodies for clothes. Some trade their bodies, their, their, their lungs for iPhone. I'm not sure if you heard this. Social media, was it on Facebook or Instagram? I'm not sure. That some, in Asia, some people used one of their lungs to take, uh, to receive iPhone. And they took a picture. They had a phone in their hand and the, 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 the plaster showing the surgery was also shown on the side of their body. I'm not sure if you saw it. Yes. They, they, they've traded their, their lungs for, for, for iPhone. I'm not sure if they are aware of the importance of the life they have. Or the importance of the body they have. Life is more important. 
You can use life to get money, but you can't use money to get life. Our Lord said, Jesus said, I came so that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Life is the number one need of man. With life abundance, the life that Jesus gives, with life abundance comes quality food. With life abundance comes quality body. With life abundance comes quality clothing. Man is searching for this life, but sad to say, in the wrong places. Some are searching for life, searching for life for money. They thought that if they had more money, they would get to enjoy their life and have a comfortable, trouble-free life. But that's not the case. God is the giver of wealth. We, we are not talking against money. We are not against money. God is a giver of wealth. God gives wealth. And we are not against money. In fact, we are going to have lots and lots of it. Please say amen. God will give us lots and lots of riches. Here, where? In this world. Poverty is not from God. For example, let me give you this. Let me just quote it, okay? You can write a scripture down and later look at it. I'm just quoting it. Isaiah 45 verse 3. Isaiah chapter 45 verse 3. And I'm quoting New Living Translation. I'm quoting. And I will give you treasures hidden in the darkness. God, this is what God is saying. God is saying, and I will give you treasures hidden in the darkness. Hyphen. Secret riches. <laughs> this is what the Lord is telling us in this training program. You see, and I will give you treasures hidden in the darkness. Secret riches. This is what the Lord is saying. I will do this. This part of the verse, and I'm still quoting. I will do this so you may know that I am the Lord. So you'll do it. The God of Israel, the one who calls you by your name. What did he say? I will give you treasures hidden in the darkness. Secret riches. God knows where the riches are. The secret riches. Where they are. God knows because the golds and the silver and the diamonds, they are his. Belongs to him. He said he will give us treasures hidden in the darkness. God is not against weak and wealth. God is not against that at all. And if God has said it, that settles it. His word has gone out of his mouth in righteousness, and it will not return to him void. It will accomplish the purpose it was sent. But what we are talking about here is the pursuit of money. You talk to some people, even the sad to say, even some people of God, some children of God, if you talk to them, all they talk about is money. No, it's not wrong to have money. It's wrong for money to have you. It's wrong for money to be your ruler, for money to be your master. But for we to have this life, abundance, that's why God sent His Son, Jesus Christ. That's why He came. So He came so that mankind will have life and have it more abundantly. Sorry that I digress. Verse 25 again. We are taking the time. It's no need to worry. Verse 25 again. We are talking about Jesus' growth, okay? Verse 25 again. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink. Do not worry about your body, what you will put on. It's not life more than food and body more than clothing. Verse 26. Look at the birds of the air, 
For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And then he says something beautiful here. He said, are you not of more value than they, than the birds? He's asking, are you not of more value than the birds? He's pointing this home. He's telling us something beautiful here. Verse 27. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? There's a big question. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? The next verse, verse 28. So, because the answer is no. So if you answer no, then he's going to say, so why do you worry about clothing? You know, we worry about so many things. Sometimes, consciously or unconsciously. Why do you worry about clothing? And some to worry why they're not growing spiritually. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. He's telling you, look at the flowers of the field. These flowers, lilies, they're beautiful. Consider the lilies of the field, these flowers, how they grow. One more time. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. And how do they grow? And the Lord tells us, because we have been taught that for you to grow spiritually, you have to work harder, you have to sweat for it, you have to toil for it. But look at what the Lord said. He said, consider the lilies of the field, these beautiful flowers, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. It's like what we were saying earlier, that we think for you to grow spiritually, it takes a lot of work. You must work very hard for it. Do harder before you can grow spiritually. And then we add this, that for you to be successful at anything, you must work hard for it. Sweat for it. We'll be right back. Hi, friends. This is Compassion Podcast. On the 21st of May, we will have a short online program called Night of Compassion. We want to invite you to that program. The program will begin at 8 p.m. Beijing time. You can keep the date and you can invite your friends. Remember that God is your Father. See you at the Night of Compassion. Toiling and sweating were not the natural order of things when God created the whole world. When God made the world, it was good. But when our forefathers, Adam and Eve, sinned against Almighty God, then things changed. Please, let's go to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, let's look at verse 17. This is after they've done what God said they should do eating from the tree. And then, this is what God said. Verse 17. Then to Adam, he has already spoken to the snake, the woman, now to Adam. Then to Adam, he said, because you have heeded the, the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. Harsh words, tough words. Mind you, it's coming from the mouth of God Almighty. 
Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat bread. All the days of your life. Wow. Wow. Huge. Verse 18. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth to you. You shall eat the herb of the field. Verse 19. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. Till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taking. For dust you are. And to dust you shall return. Wow. So initially it was not part of God's plan. But when we. okay, But when our forefathers sinned against God. All these things came into place. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. In toil you shall eat of it. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. And then there's one part. He says. All the days of your life. In other words, if you want something good in this fallen, cursed world, you are going to sweat for it. You are going to labor for it. But God's heart was not in this. God doesn't want his creation, his people, to sweat for good things. In fact, God himself doesn't like sweat because sweat speaks of man's efforts. It speaks of all of man, none of God. It speaks of man's independence, man's sweat. That's what it speaks of. In the old covenant, God told the priest, because God doesn't like sweat, that they shouldn't wear, they shouldn't wear anything that causes sweat. God knew without him, man will sweat for bread. Man will sweat for any good thing. God sent his son to redeem man from the curse. The mess that man himself has created. What love? This is man's own doing. God could have said, well, since they've brought this on themselves, let them put up with it. But God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to free man from this curse. Curse is the ground for your sake. The curse where man will toil before he can eat of it. And then the curse where in the sweat of his face he shall eat bread. God sent his son Jesus Christ to free man from this curse. Let's go to Galatians chapter 3. Let's look at verse 13. Christ has redeemed us. Hallelujah. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. If one breaks the law, the curse that comes with it, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Having become a curse for us. Christ became a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. So instead of the curse, we get the blessing of Abraham when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. This also goes to the non-Jews, the Gentiles. So that blessing, the blessing of Abraham comes upon them also. And Christ paid for this by his blood. So that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. The one who believes in Jesus has been redeemed from the curse of any kind in this world. Curse of any kind. Whether curse of the law, curse of toils, curse of sweat, curse of any kind, sickness and disease. Curse of any kind. 
the believer has been freed from the curse of sweat and he has entered into God's rest, into God's own rest. Somebody has done the sweating. Somebody has done the toiling for the believer. Now the believer is seated. It was a big problem. But God did it anyway through his son Jesus Christ. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1. And let's read this from the New Living Translation, NLT. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1. Once, he's talking about what we used to be. Because when our forefathers sinned, it was passed to generations that came after. In fact, when he sinned, all of us became corrupted. Ephesians 2 verse 1, NLT, Living Translation. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. Verse 2. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Who is working? Satan, the devil. Is that in the Bible? Obeying the devil. We used to live in sin. Used to. Verse 3. All of us used to live that way. Used to. Used to. Following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Verse 4, but God is so rich in mercy. Amen. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. Hallelujah. Isn't this wonderful? Who gave us life? God gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. I'm just reading the scriptures for us. It's so wonderful that what God has done through us in Jesus Christ. And that we can see that in the Bible for us. Verse 6. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ. Can you see this in the Bible? I want you to see this. I want you to see this. verse 6. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ. And seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So now the believer is now seated with Christ in the heavenly realms because we are united with Jesus Christ. So there is a new position for those who put in their faith in Jesus Christ. Man could not sit. Man could not rest. But God out of love, out of grace, through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, he has made man to sit together with his son. In the heavenly realms. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? So now we have believed. The one who has believed. Let me quote Hebrews chapter 4 verse 3. Now we have believed. The Bible says, For we who have believed, we do enter into that rest. Why? Because the works were finished from the foundation of the world. The works are finished. So those who have believed, we have entered into God's rest. The same Hebrews... Chapter 4. Please, let's look at it from the Bible. Open it for me. Let's open this together. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9 to verse 10. This is from the old King James. There remains therefore a rest to the people of God. One more time. There remains therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into God's rest, he also has ceased from his own works, from his own toiling, from his own sweating, from his own struggles, as God did from his, the one who has entered into God's rest. But how 
the one who have believed he has entered into God's rest. And this is what he's talking about. He's telling us here. There remains a rest for the people of God. For he that has entered into God's rest, he also has ceased from his own works. Has got it from his. God now works for the man and the man now rests. So God is working, man is resting. This is what Christianity is. God works, we rest, and then we work out what he has already worked in. From, from a position of rest. This rest of God is for every area of man's life and every need of man. The man who believes in Jesus Christ has seized from his own labors, his own struggles, his own toils. He who has believed in Jesus Christ has entered into God's rest. He has seized from his own works, labors, and efforts. The works, mind you, were finished from the foundation of the world. Being it in the area of work, area of finances, health, area of marriage, relationships, please mark my words, even in the area of growing up spiritually. The Lord said, look at the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. The Lord talks again of how a seed grows. Let's look at that, please. Mark chapter 4. Same about growth, okay? Mark chapter 4. Let's look at verse 26. And this time, let's read from the NKJV, New King James Version. Mark chapter 4, verse 26. And he said, and the Lord said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. Verse 27. And should sleep by night and rise up by day. And the seed should sprout and grow, and he himself does not know how. One more time, verse 27. And should sleep by night. So he says, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. A farmer, something like that. He goes out to scatter seed on the ground, and then he sleeps by night, and wakes up by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. One more time. And the seed should sprout and grow, and he, the farmer, the man, he himself does not know how the seed grew, the seed sprouted. He doesn't know how. As intelligent as the farmer is, he himself doesn't know how these things happen. God has put the system in place. It's purely God's work. Verse 28. For the earth yields crops by itself. Underline that. For the earth yields crops by itself. Itself. I hope you are seeing this in, in our Bibles. The earth yields crops by itself. And then what happens? First the blade, then the head, after that full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he, the man, the farmer, he puts in circle because the harvest has come. The, what the farmer did was to scatter seed. But the process, the growth, all that happened was God's design. And then he comes just to put his sickle and then harvest. He just comes and puts his sickle because harvest has come. This is what the Lord is telling us. It is purely God's word. Growth is God's design. Man has nothing to do with it. Even spiritual growth. It's purely God's design. It's God's activity. It's God's, it's God's work. Let's look at one more. Let's open our Bibles to Ecclesiastes 
chapter 11. Let's look at verse 5. Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Let's look at verse 5. Uh, let's take it from New Living Translation. Just as you cannot understand, I am there. Are you there? Please open your Bibles. Ecclesiastes 11 verse 5. Just as you cannot understand, New Living Translation, just as you, you cannot understand the path of the wind or the mystery of a tiny baby growing in its mother's womb, so you, you cannot understand the activity of God who does all things. One more time. Just as you cannot understand the path of the wind, there is a path of the wind, but we don't understand. Or the mystery of a tiny baby growing in its mother's womb. It's a mystery. And then he says, so you cannot understand the activity of God. And this part is very beautiful. I want to see this in the Bible. Who does all things? One more time. Who does all things? Who does all things? God. It is God who works in the believer. It is God who is working in the believer. Let me quote Philippians chapter 2. I believe verse 13 says, For it is God who works in you, the believer, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. God works in the believer, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. God is the one working. The farmer has to put the seed, but how it grows, he doesn't know. The man has to put the seed in the woman, but how it grows, they don't know. It is, see, he said, it is the activity of God. God who does all things. It is God who is working. We just put the seed. God is the one who saw the need of man. He knew how dead man was. And he knows how dead man is. He knew how dead man was without him. Without him, man is dead. And he gave a son in place for sinful man. No, no. Do we really think that God is saying, I've done my part of salvation. I've given you my son, the one that I loved. So it's now your part to grow spiritually. Do you think that's what God is saying? I think that is our idea about these things. I think we take credit for a lot of things. We think we have done that. Oh, look at what I have done to become spiritually mature. I think we take credit for a lot of things. Who put the system in place? Who put the earth for the farmer to sow? Who gives rain when the seed is sown? In fact, who is the one that even gives seed to the farmer in the first place? It's God. Purely God. God gives seed to the sower. And bread to the eater. And who gave us his son in the first place? Salvation from start to finish is all God. What does Philippians 1 verse 6 say? Philippians chapter 1 verse 6. What does he say? And I quote. Being confident of this very thing. That he who has begun a good work in you. Will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Being confident of this very thing. That he who has begun a good work, he started a good work. God given that is a good work. Salvation is a good work. He who has begun the good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Salvation is started by God. The process is God. 
and the end of salvation is God. Romans 11 verse, I want you to see this in your Bible. Romans 11 verse 36. Let's read it from the NIV. Romans 11 verse 36, NIV. For from him, for from God, for from him and through him and for him are all things. That includes salvation and that includes spiritual growth. Everything comes from him. Then it says, to him be the glory forever and ever. For from him and through him and for him are all things. Growing up spiritually is God's work, not man's work. So we might be saying, so are you saying uh, do nothing and then you will grow? It's not doing nothing. It's just doing some simple things to enjoy the system God has already put in place to effect the natural order of things, to effect spiritual growth. Because there are great benefits that comes with spiritual growth. Wonderful benefit. Let me give you some benefits that comes with spiritual growth. Like quickly. Wonderful blessings that comes with spiritual growth. Some wonderful benefits. Number one, when you grow up spiritually, you won't be swayed by heinous doctrine. You won't be tricked by man or by Satan. Let me read this to you. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 14, NKJV. Ephesians 4 verse 14. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Can you see this? So, those who are not grown spiritually, they are tossed to and fro and they are carried about with every wind of doctrine. And then he says, by the trickery of man, men, tricks of man, by the trickery of man, in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. So, we should no longer be true. In other words, so that no one would deceive you, whether Satan or man or, or his ministers. Yeah, his ministers. His, yeah. The next blessing, the next benefit that comes with spiritual growth is the second one. You won't regard earthly things that much. Earthly things will, will, will be like, uh, they'll be not heavy in your eyes anymore when you grow spiritually. Please, let's go to Hebrews 11, verse 24 to verse 26. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for, for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Moses, when he was come to years, that means when he grew up, when he became a man, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Think about what he refused. He saw a difference in the people of God and the people of the world. He saw the difference. In the world, he was the son of Pharaoh's daughter, in line for the throne. He had honor, wealth, and prestige. He had the things the earth and the world had to offer, yet he esteemed the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. Err to the treasures of Egypt, but he esteemed the reproaches of Christ. Another benefit that comes with spiritual growth is this. You become dead to human traits. You become dead to human applause. Please, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's look at verse 3 to verse 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 to verse 4. 
NKJV, First Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3. But with me, this is the apostle talking, but with me, apostle Paul, but with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you. It's a very small thing. I should be judged by you or by a human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. For I know of nothing against myself. Yet I am not justified by this. But he who judges me is the Lord. Wonderful scripture. Paul had grown in the grace of God, in the love of God, to an extent that he sought only to commend himself to God. He was not influenced or affected by what others thought of him. Not at all. He did not get in bondage to anybody. The love of God governed him. He was not easily puffed up, nor was he touchy or resentful. The love of God dominated him. Immature Christians will feel puffed up seeing what the Lord is doing through them. If somebody criticizes them, they are restless. They are uneasy. They are full of self-pity. On the other hand, if they are noticed and appreciated by man, they feel lifted up, full of self-importance. Christians who have not grown in the things of God, those who have not grown up yet, they are self-conscious and ever conscious of what others are thinking about them and what others are saying about them. They are conscious of that. And therefore, they are tossed to and fro, childishly trying to be popular. They want to be recognized every time. They want to be in the spotlight. That comes with, you know, that's a sign of those who have not grown up. So this is a benefit that comes when you grow up spiritually. You become dead to human praise and dead to human applause. The one who is growing spiritually, the one who has grown spiritually, is God conscious. He's aware of what God's word says about him and to him. He says like what Paul says. It is a very small thing that I should be judged by you. Or it's a small thing that man should give me his judgment. It's a small thing. He's free to walk in and voice his convictions. Not being rude, but what the Lord has taught him in secret. He fits the description given in the Amplified Translation. You know, translation of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. He is not conceited. He is not arrogant. He is not inflated with pride. He is not touchy. He is not fretful. He is not resentful. He takes no account of the evil done to him. He pays no attention to a suffered wrong. He is like our Lord Jesus Christ. When they put the nails in his wrist, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. The one who grows spiritually becomes like the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you grow spiritually, you'll be able to recognize when God is at work. This week, we will learn how to grow up spiritually, God's way. Lift up your voice and begin to thank the Lord right now. Thank you, my worship man. Go ahead and thank you, my worship man. And wherever you are, you are listening to this. And you want to receive this Jesus into your life. You want to make him your Lord. You want to come home to the Father's love. You want to say Amen to what Jesus Christ did on the cross for you, for your sins. And to make his own. Pray this prayer after me. Say, Dear God, I thank you for sending your son Jesus Christ to come die for me. I believe in my heart that you, God, you raised him from the dead. I confess with my mouth 
that Jesus Christ is Lord over my life from today. I receive your eternal life now. And I ask for your Holy Spirit to come and dwell in me and live in me. Thank you, God, for loving me. Thank you for accepting me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Congratulations if you prayed that simple prayer. You are now a child of God, a son or a daughter of God. You're welcome to this great family and God bless you. I want to pray a prayer for you right now. Now, be the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead. The great shepherd of the sheep. Make you complete in every good work. Make you perfect in every way to do his will. Working in you what is well pleasing in his sight. And no weapon formed against you shall prosper. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for downloading this podcast. If you were helped in any way by this episode, please give us your review and subscribe to receive latest messages like these. If you want to contact us on a personal level, please send us an email to the email address in the description below. We would love to hear from you. Keep on hearing and keep on growing. And remember that God is your Father. Stay tuned for the next episode.